morning, Evangelical Baptist Church. I'm Corianne, and I want to welcome you to our worship service this morning. Prayer 30 will meet this Wednesday, July 14th at 7 p.m. in the gym parking lot. Our annual church picnic and baptism will be held at Eloquoia State Park Pavilion on Saturday, August 28th. We have a limited number of attendees, so please sign up today at the back of the sanctuary. Contact the office with any questions. The worship team is looking for enthusiastic volunteers to help with audio, projection, lighting, and live streaming. Please contact Pastor Dan or Nathaniel Jacobins for more information. Seth and Rochelle Callahan are home from Papua New Guinea and will be sharing a brief update regarding the Iski people later on in the service. And Pastor Brian's sermon, The Heart of the Matter, comes from Proverbs 4. Have a blessed day.
You 
There is nothing better than him. And there's nothing better than him because he is the one who gives life, right? Life comes from him. It flows from him, right? He breathed life into us, right? The breath of life. And that has carried throughout all of humanity and is what sustains each and every single one of us who are in this room right now. Whether, whether we're walking with the Lord or we're not, it is still the breath of life that is sustaining us. I was so encouraged this week by a, a quote that I came across um, from a, a pastor from New York City named Tim Keller. And, uh, this is the quote. He says, this is the message. No matter how good and well-ordered your life is, you must be born again. And no matter how chaotic your life has been or how often and profoundly you have failed, you can be born again. That is the message to us, that God did not call perfect people. He called people who are hopelessly in need of him, and in him we have hope. Amen?
week someone was saying to me how much they appreciate the worship ministry here at the church and I have to say what I appreciate so much is the voice of this congregation that is probably the first impression I have of this church was hearing you all sing and you are a church that just loves to sing and loves to raise your voice up and loves to exhort each other in song so let's just do that one more time here just by singing this chorus This morning's scripture reading comes from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right 
or to the left, keep your foot from evil. Good morning, church. Looking at that passage there and some of the surrounding verses in a moment, join me in prayer as we look at Proverbs 4 here this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, if we are here this morning just to hear me speak or what I can bring to the table, then we're kind of wasting our time this morning. We need the Spirit of God to teach us. We need the Spirit of God to take the words on a page and bring them to life in our hearts so that transformation, real transformation and lasting change happens. So God, may we simply say to you, speak, speak for your servant is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. I read about a man who couldn't find his house. He couldn't find his house. No, he didn't have memory issues. He had gone to the right address, but when he got there, there was no house. It was just an empty lot. And so completely baffled, he asked the uh, Detroit Free Press to help him figure out what was going on. Where did his house go? Well, a reporter of the Detroit Free Press learned that not only was the house gone, but the deed to the empty lots was in someone else's name. What in the world happened? Well, for one thing, a few years had passed since the homeowner had left the city without providing a forwarding address. In addition to that, the, own, the homeowner had failed to make arrangements for someone to keep the property in repair. And so the, the house was torn down because the city ordinance called for the removal of neighborhood eyesores. This house was gone. You know, neglect leads to loss. Neglect leads to loss. That's true not only of an abandoned house, but a neglected heart. How's your heart this morning? You know, if you Google heart health, over 3 billion results pop up. We are very heart conscious as a society, and rightly so. We need to care for our physical health. There is a direct uh, correlation between what we put into our bodies and the health of our hearts. That's, not, that's true not only uh, physically speaking, but spiritually speaking as well. What we put into our lives directly affects the health of our hearts. Well, we're continuing in our sermon series, our summer series, in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. If you're not there, I invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. I encourage you to follow along with me in Proverbs chapter 4. And the verse that's going to get most of our attention this morning is another familiar one like last week's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. In this case, it's verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. 
Now, before we go any further this morning, it's critical that we understand what is meant by heart here in most places in Scripture. Because before we can guard it, we must understand what it is we're guarding. Now, think of the many ways we use the word heart. Heartburn, heartthrob, half-hearted, heartfelt, heartless, heartsick, sweetheart, to have a heart to cross my heart, to wear one's heart on one's sleeve. We speak of uh, pulling at one's heart strings, that we need to have a heart to heart. And often sarcastically we say, oh, my heart bleeds. One can have a big heart. We're to have open hearts, not to be cold-hearted, but kind-hearted. And at times we carry a heavy heart. Songwriters sing of achy, breaky hearts. Straight from the heart, heartbreak hotel, heartbreaker, total eclipse of the heart, hungry heart, don't go breaking my heart, your cheating heart, and of course, if I only had a heart, favorite one. We often use heart to express our emotions, like I love you with all of my heart. Now, in biblical times, to speak of emotions they would refer to the stomach, the the intestines. So their hallmark cards would read quite differently than what we have today. It might say, I love you with all my intestines. And the reader would say, well, thank you, honey. (laughs) Well, the word heart is used roughly 800 times throughout Scripture. Proverbs alone uses it over 80 times. And so when the Bible speaks of heart, obviously it's more than the organ that pumps blood. But, but what does it mean? Well, last week I referred to the heart as the control center of our lives. It's a pretty good definition. When biblical writers and Jesus spoke of the heart, they were talking about the inner person, who you really are. Who are you? That's the heart. It's that place of of deepest inner convictions, uh, our thinking, and the root cause of our actions and behaviors. And so when you see the word heart, most of the time in Scripture, you can think the essence of who you are. It is what makes you, you. That's why behavior modification can only go so far. We must get to the heart of the matter. See, the direction of our heart controls everything, our thinking, our feelings, our decisions, our actions. It's no wonder, it's no wonder God is concerned about the condition of our hearts, for as our hearts go, so will the rest of our lives. Let me say that again. God is concerned about the condition of our hearts, for as our hearts go, so will the rest of our lives. Because in the end, we will always do what the heart loves the most. All right, as we come to Proverbs chapter 4, I'm going to pick it up at the beginning here as we make our way through and get to our key passage this morning, at least that I'm looking at. But in Proverbs chapter 4, once again, we're listening in on a father talking to a son. In this case, it's plural. It's not just one son. Most of the time through this, it's, it's son's And so in verse 1, Proverbs 4, Solomon says to his sons, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction, pay attention, and gain understanding. 
In other words, he's saying, what I have to tell you, sons, is very important. It is the key to life. It is the key to your whole well-being. He goes on, verse 2. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. He, he's calling his sons to obedience. The father is coaching his sons in wisdom. You know, I'm, I'm always encouraged by dads who are coaching their child's sports teams, and that's good, but the real question is, are we co- coaching them, our kids, in wisdom? Well, that has far-reaching impact and results. Continuing with our passage in verses 3 and 4, it's the first time in Proverbs we meet the grandfather. I want you to see the tradition of wisdom crossing the span of three generations. Look at verse 3. The dad says, when I was a boy, (laughs) teenagers just love to hear dad start that conversation. When I was a boy, I walked to school three feet of snow without shoes, uphill both ways, right? Well, Solomon speaks the wisdom was passed on to him. He says, when I was a boy in my father's house, still tender, and an only child of my mother, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands, and you will live. Solomon recognizes his dad was right when he said, and what he said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. He knew his dad was right. Reminds me of the quote, by the time a man is old enough to recognize his father is right, he has a son who thinks he's wrong. That's true. Well, Solomon wants to pass on what he was given here. Lay hold of my words with all your heart. There it is, with all your heart. All right, go down to verse 20. You can read the rest of it for yourself sometime. Go down to verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Here it is. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Do you see it? As the heart goes, so goes the rest of your life. Then we come to verse 23. Our familiar verse, one we perhaps we've memorized in different uh, translations if I had you say it today. But this translation here says, above all else, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, there are three questions I want to answer this morning. It's always good practice, by the way, as an aside. As you come to Scripture, as you're reading Scripture, ask questions. What is this? What does this mean by this? Why is it saying this? How do we do this? Well, I have three questions really on verse 23, but it will really follow verses 20 through 27. Question number one is, what does it mean to guard the heart? Secondly is, why must we guard it? And thirdly, how? (laughs) How do we guard the heart? All right, what does it mean to guard the heart? Now, think about um, the things that you guard and protect. Some homes have security devices protecting their property, cars, have car alarms that seem to go off at the worst times, but we have them to protect anyone from breaking into our car, and they go off. I'm reminded of a cartoon, and there was this, this seagull who was, uh, sat perched on the hood of an SUV, and he was kind of cocking his head back and forth in absolute bewilderment at the car he was sitting on beneath him, because under the hood was this loud, authoritative, mechanical voice repeating this command, please back away from the vehicle please back away from the vehicle. And the seagull had no idea what was going on. We protect our cars. We protect our homes. We protect the things we own, right? But more than that, it says here, guard our heart above all else. 
Some translations say with all diligence. But it's placement, the beginning of that sentence there, gives it emphasis. Guard, keep your heart with all diligence. So, so more than we protect our bank account, more than we protect our body from personal injury, more than we protect our car from theft, our home from burglary, planes from terrorist attacks, the more, we, more than, than we protect our family or we protect our image or we protect our health or we protect our job, more than we protect all our stuff, guard, protect your heart. Because if we can effectively protect all of the other th- stuff we have and yet fail in protecting this one important thing, as the Bible warns there, that singular failure will affect every other area of your life. So more than any, everything, guard your heart. All right, what does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean when we see guard or protect, it doesn't mean we ought to protect our hearts from getting hurt. That's not what it's saying. But if our heart is the very essence of who we are, what does it mean then to guard it? Well, to guard your heart means paying attention to what's going on and the deepest core of who you are and what is going on inside of you. It means you protect what's going on inside of you from influences outside itself that might jeopardize its integrity. To guard, to guard means knowing your hearts and knowing what causes the biggest problem for them. It's being aware of the things that do affect your decisions both positively and negatively. That's why we must actively ask each and every time we're faced with a decision or temptation, what will this do to my heart? Will it lead me closer to Jesus Christ or potentially cool me off toward him? Church, guard your heart above all else. I love the story of a young soldier. He was placed on guard duty at a military post, and he was on sentry duty at the main gate of a military outpost. His orders were very clear. No car, no car was to enter unless it had a special sticker on its windshield. Well, this big army car came up to the gate with the general seated in the back seat and the young driver seated in the front and the young soldier doing his job said, halt, who goes there? And the chauffeur, a a corporal, said, General Wheeler, let us pass. The young guard replied, no, sorry, I can't let you through. You've got to have a sticker on your windshield. You don't have it. The general said to the young driver, drive on, just pay no attention to this man. The young guy said, whoa, 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 hold it. You really can't come through. I have orders to shoot anyone and everyone who tries to enter this base without the proper sticker on the windshield, and you don't have it. The general repeated to the driver, I'm telling you, son, ignore this guy. Just drive through. No, the young guy, young guard, he walked around to the rear window where the general was seated in the back seat, and he laid rifle barrel onto the door. He pointed his rifle in the car at the general and asked, General, I'm new at this. Who do I shoot first, you or the driver? (laughs) There's a guy who took his job of guarding very seriously. So it is with our hearts. We can't be sloppy here. 
We must take guarding it very seriously. Above all else, it says. Why? Second question, why must we guard the heart? The end of verse 23 tells us why. For it is the wellspring of life. Some translations say, for out of, out of it are the issues of life. Another translation says, for that's where life starts. But you hear what it's saying. You see the importance of guarding our heart. Everything in your life, my life, flows from it. Everything in your life flows from your heart. It goes from the inside out. Picture it this way. The heart is like a reservoir that's a source of water for a community. It's critical then to be careful what flows into that reservoir and filter or test whatever flows out. If the source is bad, then no amount of fiddling around with or replacing the pipes will do. Reservoir that is a cesspool and someone comes along and says, you know, what we need to do here is just kind of change the pipes that run from the reservoir. Let it kind of run through some new pipes. Huh. What's go- what, do you, what do you have? If your source is bad, the same polluted water will flow down through the pipes. We must deal with the source. We must deal with the, the source of our anger and not just anger management. We must deal with the source of that addiction and not just some behavior modification. We must deal with the source of our negativity and not just try to think happy thoughts through the day. What is the source of the hate and the, and, and the, and the, and the sadness and the, and the bitterness and the cynicism? What is the source of, I don't know, for you, fill in the blank. What is it? What's the source of that that keeps popping up in your life? Jesus said in Luke 6.45, and it's Luke 6.45, not John. Luke 6.45, if you're looking at the screen. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Get this. For out of the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. As they say in the country, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. <laughs> it's true. What you say, what you think, what you do, how you react are all reflections of what you are. Now, I picture this. A waiter, a waitress carrying a tray of drinks. And as they're walking over to your table, someone bumps them. What spills out is what was in that glass. If, it, if in the glass was a soft drink and the waiter and waitress gets bumped as they're walking over, milk isn't going to be the liquid that comes out. What comes out of the glass when bumped reveals what was in the glass in the first place. See, what spills out is in line with what is inside. See, we say things like, and, and I say it, we say things like, I, I don't know why I reacted that way. That, that's just not me. Or we say things like, you know, I was just kind of caught off guard. Or, that was, that was out of character for me to respond the way that I did. No, Jesus would say, no, it was in there somewhere. What's been spilling out? Brian, what's been spilling out this past week? When you get bumped a little bit, what spills out? When someone cuts in front of you at the checkout lane, <laughs> 
what spills out? What spills out when you're criticized? What spills out when some person flirts with you? What's flowing from your heart? Why guard the heart? Everything in your life flows from it. If you're not taking care of what's going on, on the inside, it's likely taking its toll on others around you. In the 1600s, there was this Puritan uh, writer and preacher by the name of John Flavel, and he wrote about Proverbs 4.23. In fact, he wrote over 100 pages about this one verse. 100 pages. I mean, that's just what Puritans did. Now, I think that would have been one long sermon. Now, I'm just trying to give you a little perspective when you speak of long sermons, that's all. <laughs> you didn't see nothing yet. But one thing he said in those 100 pages is that our hearts are like a musical instrument. You tune it, and you got it just right, and then you kind of put it over to the side, or you hang it on the wall for several days or weeks, and, and, and what happens when you pick that instrument up again? It goes out of tune. So you have to tune it again. And so you tune it again, and, and after you do, you kind of do the same thing. You put it to the side, you hang it on the wall, and someone comes along, maybe and bumps it, but you just kind of leave it there. What happens? It goes out of tune. You have to tune it again. In the same way, our hearts get out of tune. Our inner being can be so right with God, and, and then we kind of just neglect it, and we leave it alone for a little while, and then someone comes along and, and bumps us or disrupts us, and, and, and so then it comes out because we haven't tuned it. Or we can be tuning it in our lives by feeding on God's Word and, and being around God's people and taking in the things that are healthy for our souls. But if we neglect that for a time, if we kind of put that spiritual life on hold for a bit and slip into the coasting mode, what's going to happen? We get out of tune. We. And you know what's really scary? Our hearts are, are making all kinds of new, not noise and it's out of tune and everyone hears it. Except for us. We don't hear it. We think what's spewing out of our mouths is all fine. And they're going, it's not fine, trust me. We think we're in tune and we're not. That's why we need others around us to say the hard thing and tell us what they're hearing. All right. Would you say your heart's in tune right now? Would you describe it as joyful and content and peaceful or passionate, uh, zealous for the things of Christ? Or is, it, or is it angry? Is it bitter? Is it fearful? Is it restless? Is it cold? There was this high school student who was handicapped. He, he could not walk. And although that kept him from being physically active and participating in sports, he excelled in his studies. He, he had a positive attitude, and he was well-liked by his peers. And they saw the problems he had in getting around, and, and they sometimes really felt sorry for him, but for a long time, nobody dared to ask him uh, why he had this difficulty. One day, however, one of his closest friends finally did and said, I, I got to know, what happened to you? What happened to your legs so you, can't, so you can't walk? And he answered, it was polio. It was polio. And the friend responded, wow, with so many difficulties, how do you keep from becoming bitter? 
And tapping his chest with his hand, the young man replied with a smile, Oh, the polio touched my legs, but it never touched my heart. What's the condition of your inner being right now? What would those closest to you say? What are they hearing? Now, there's something crucial here we we need to understand. I I need to go to the New Testament for a moment, and you can look these verses up. You're going to see it on the screen. But in John chapter 7, in John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38, you can read the whole chapter some other time. Jesus said this, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, John says in chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. I want us to get this. What needs to change within can only come as a result of God giving us a new heart, a new starting place, a new orientation. It is our coming to Christ for salvation. The old is gone, the new has come. It all begins with our coming to Jesus for salvation and then surrendering to the Holy Spirit who now lives in us on a regular basis. What I'm saying to you is not about try harder, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Yes, there's things we can do, but it has to begin with a change of heart about who Jesus is, receiving the gift of salvation, and let him do his work in our lives. Then there's the only time we have any hope of changing what's on the inside to spill out has to be there. Don't miss the gospel in this. And when the gospel touches us and changes, it is such beautiful music. When our hearts are touched by Christ, tuned to Christ, and what flows out and touches the heart of others. It is, if your heart's full of Jesus' love and and full of who Jesus is, then then that will be what is communicated to others and what will spill out. It will flow out and refresh all those you touch. It will become a wellspring of life from which you and others can drink. All right. We ask what it looks like. We ask why do we need to? Well, how? Don't forget what I just said about John 7. But Proverbs 4 offers some, some help here on how we guard our hearts. And what I, what I call in these verses 20 and through 27 is an anatomy of discipleship. Look at me in verse 20. Verse 20 says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words, okay? What's involved in guarding our heart? The ears. We must listen. What are we listening to? It mentions not only the ears in this process. Go down to verse 24. It refers to the mouth. Verse 24 says, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. How do we guard our hearts? What are we talking about lately? What are the topics of our conversations? That's how we guard it. Let's continue. Verse 25, he mentions our eyes. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Eyes, what are we looking at? What are we watching? Our eyes fixed upon Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And then lastly, the feet. Look at verse 26 and 27. Make level paths for your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. And we're going to be fleshing this out in the next couple of chapters next week. 
I want us to see the anatomy of discipleship here, though. Here's the how. This is the practical outworking of guarding the heart, the ears, the mouth, the eyes, the feet, are all involved in guarding the heart and leading lives characterized by wisdom. If we are to live well, then what we are taking into our lives through our eyes, through our ears, what we talk about, where our feet take us, matters. It matters. What are we taking in? You might remember in the paper years ago, Ann Landers, right? She'd do a uh, column, give advice, <laughs> you want to call it that. But someone wrote a letter to Ann Landers, the advice columnist, about how she dealt with a reoccurring behavior in a husband. Now, I'm not suggesting that this should be tried at home, okay? Matter of fact, do not try this at home. You'll get the point. She wrote, One day I became so fed up with my husband's terrible mouth that I took a plate and I filled it with eggshells, coffee grounds, and potato peelings from the garbage. And that's what I put at his place setting on his plate when he sat down to dinner. My husband looked down at his plate and he complained, What's this? This is dinner? She said, Well, since you don't seem to mind the garbage that comes out of your mouth, I thought you might enjoy putting a little garbage into it. Again, do not do this at home. Do not. I think he got the point. What are you putting in each day? What are you listening to? What are you looking at? What are you talking about? What places have your feet been taking you that you know lead you away from the Christ who paid it all for you? See, if we're going to guard what's going to flow out of our lives, then we must be careful and wise about what is going in. And do you know what speaks into your life the most? Who would you say is the most influential person in your life? Now, likely, there are many names that pop into your head. But you know what? The number one influence in your life is you. You. You speak into your life all day long. It began when you woke up this morning. It will continue until you fall asleep this evening. It's actually taking place even now as I speak. Paul Tripp says it this way. He says, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. You're in an unending conversation with yourself. You're talking to yourself all the time, interpreting, organizing, analyzing what's going on inside you and around you. See, the point is that you are constantly involved in an eternal conversation that greatly influences the things you decide, say, and do. So here's the question. How wholesome, faith-driven, biblically-oriented, and Christ-centered is the conversation that you have with you every day? What do you regularly tell yourself about yourself, about God, about circumstances, about other people? What are you saying to yourself? Is it the truth? Is it the voice of truth? I mean, we need to be honest with ourselves here. We're taking too much time and energy speaking 
wrong things to our hearts. And you know, as I was preparing this sermon, I over and over again realized, there I go again. That is a lie. That is not true, what I just told myself. Guard your heart with all diligence. Above all else, how? Preaching the truth to yourself constantly. Because God puts a high premium on the condition of our hearts. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You see, heart work is hard work. Don't neglect it. Howard Rutledge, Howard Rutledge is a United States Air Force pilot uh, years ago who shot, was shot down over North Vietnam during the early stages of the war. He spent several miserable years in the hands of his captors before being released at the war's conclusion. Howard Rutledge wrote about that time in prison, and he said this, During those longer periods of enforced reflection, it became so much easier to separate the important from the trivial, the worthwhile from the waste. Yeah, I can imagine. He says, for example, in the past, I usually worked or played hard on Sundays and had no time for church. For years, my wife encouraged me to join the family at church. I mean, she never nagged or scolded. She just kept hoping. But I was too busy, too preoccupied to spend one or two short hours a week thinking about the really important things in life. He says, now the sights and sounds and smells of death are all around me. My hunger for spiritual food soon outdid my hunger for a steak. Now... I wanted to know about that part of me that will never die. But in the solitary confinement, he says, there was no pastor, there was no Sunday school teacher, there was no Bible, there was no hymn book, there was no community of believers to guide and sustain me. He says, I had completely neglected the spiritual dimension of my life. He says, it took prison to show me how empty life is without God. Do we really want to wait till something like that comes up? See, it took this situation to show, to show Howard Rutledge that there was a center to his private world that he had been neglecting. How about you? How about me? Not above it. What's the condition of our hearts? How's our soul? How's the deep deeper stuff within me. How's it going there? Do you have the resources from which you can draw when life is intolerable? I end where I begin. Neglect leads to loss. Neglect leads to loss. Let's pray. Father, again, May we be so ever mindful that while we have very practical help here in how to guard and why we must and what it's all about anyway, that we can't walk out of here and just simply say, all right, I got this on my own. I'm just going to do what I need to do and forget about you and how much we need you to even pull any of this off. God, if we know you, then we have the Spirit of God living in us. And to live this way 
is possible. So God, help us this week to ask that question as things come up. What is this doing to my heart? What will this do to my heart? May we not neglect that control center of our life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
You know, I was thinking during the service of the passage from the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, seek first what? The kingdom of God, right? Why? Because he is good. Not only is he good, he's the best, right? He's the best. Let's just sing of the best one more time in that chorus. seated want to remind you of uh, this uh, Wednesday evening is prayer 30 um, over in the gym parking lot and if it rains we'll go inside the building there but prayer this Wednesday evening from 7 to 7 30 and I invite you encourage you strongly urge you to be a part of that prayer time uh, this Wednesday evening for those 30 minutes we have with us today um, Seth and Rochelle Callahan and the family, and um, we've been supporting them uh, for several years as they have served overseas in Papua New Guinea, and he's going to tell you a little about, about uh, what was ha- what's been happening there and praying what continues to happen, and he's going to come and share about that and some transition that's going on in their life as well. I'll let him share that and uh, give you an update, a little bit of what's going on. Then we'll close it out with praying for him and his family later. Thanks, Ben. Good morning, everyone. It's been a while since we've been here amongst you guys, about two years. Um, I was saying earlier, yeah, it's a little bit of a weird thing because we've had a relationship with you guys for quite a while, but it's been a very, very long distance relationship. So we just kind of come and see you guys real briefly, then send us out far away again. Um, So we're really happy to be back amongst you again here, guys. Um, I want to start off. Um, just with a, a big thank you for that. Even though we, we do spend most of our time away from you guys, um, your church has very much stayed connected to our ministry, connected to our family, and we're very, very thankful for that. Um, through your prayers, through your emotional support, through your financial giving, um, your church, we have several supporting churches. EBC has always stood out very much um, to our family for your involvement, and we're very thankful for that. So let that be the, the main takeaway from my couple minutes up here is just thank you very much for the part that you've played in our ministry and what's been going on over there. My family has been over in Papua New Guinea for the last seven years, um, going and coming, but predominantly over there for seven years. For five of those years, we've been working with the Iski people um, in the swamplands of Papua New Guinea. A few years ago, your church adopted the Iski people and the work going on there amongst them, which was awesome. Thank you very much for that. Um, the work has been progressing well. We have two uh, church, lo- two local bodies of believers there that are, are functioning and going. We have 12 Bible teachers, um, indigenous Iski men who have come up to the level of their, their teaching and functioning as leaders in the church. They have not been established officially as elders yet, but six of those men are on a very good trajectory for that to happen probably within the next year. Um, we'll get to see them there. There's, we're still working out some kinks um, and things with their with their faithfulness and walk with the Lord and before, you know, you got to watch out before you point elders and things. But 
that's really exciting for us. Uh, the work is starting to phase out. It's definitely going more and more into the hands of the Iski people and the church that God has established among them is growing, it is strengthening, it is um, doing well. And we're very encouraged with that. Our, our team has translated half of the New Testament already, which if you guys do the math a little bit, the gospel was presented five years ago. Um, now half the New Testament has already been translated. Our coworkers are incredible. Uh, the work that they've been doing with that, they are just cranking out um, that translation and doing a very good job. They're not cutting any corners, but two of our coworkers especially are, they, God has just gifted them so well for that. They're just um, uh, like, what do you call them, office rats? Or they, they just love the work of sitting at the desk and, and doing what he can do is, is amazing. Um, so that's, that's been done. We have two churches um, established, one at a, a more mature level than the other. The second one is an outreach location, which has surpassed our initial church um, in numbers by far. Our initial church has about 100 people now um, in it, and the outreach has about 350 people um, active going. And they're, they're starting their second round of evangelism going on there because more people have been coming um, into that location. It's, it's crazy busy what's going on there. Um, that's been a, a very busy, good thing we've been doing. We've been a part of and we're really excited. Um, different circumstances have come up in this, this last year for our family specifically. We are now transitioning back to the States. We've been back for a couple months now and it would be a, it's a permanent move for us. Uh, we'll be giving an update to the missions committee after the service here with, with more details. We've been trying to get information out with our newsletters and things. If you have any questions about reasoning and stuff about that, we're happy to uh, talk with you guys, but our family is coming stateside now. Um, the ISKI work is still going on. Our two partner families are still working. It's working towards phase out. There's still a lot to pray for uh, there, so please don't give up on that. Um, the church has adopted the, the work amongst the ISKI. That work is still going, and we would very much encourage you guys to continue um, pushing for that. There's the, the end of the race is sometimes the most critical, right? Things are going in a good direction, but we really want them to continue going in that direction, and uh, your faithful support has been a, a huge part of that. Um, I'm, I've taken on an interim pastor role with our sending church in upstate New York, just three hours straight west from here. Um, that's where we'll be functioning now, at least for the next six months, and then I would hope longer. We're going to see how the fit goes and stuff for the church there. But that is uh, the new role that our family is going to be entering into. Um, as we step out of the mission and, and continue on with that. So I just want to give you guys that family update, that ministry update. Again, big takeaway. Thank you so much for the part that you have played in the work amongst the ISKI, what you continue to play in that. Thank you very much for your investment in our family um, and your faithfulness to us. We very much appreciate that. Thank you. Fine. Um, I want to pray for, for Seth and for the family. You can stay put if you want. Okay. Um, but I'm going to have you stand as we do that. If there's a couple of elders here that were the last service, I see Gary over there. If you can come up and join me, that would be great. I guess that's it for this service. Okay. Come on up. Everyone stand and support as we pray over um, Seth and Rochelle and the kids. Um, it's probably... Um, downplayed a little in terms of the um, emotional toll and transition of all this. Um, and so we need to hold them up in that way. So not just right now, but as we move forward here. All right, let me pray. God, we just, first of all, just thank you for um, faithful service um, for Seth and, and, and uh, Rochelle and, and the others on his team. 
and uh, what a remarkable um, story and update to hear what's going on with the Iski people. Um, having nothing of any sense of, of, a, of a gospel message in that area, and here they are with a couple of churches and, 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 and looking to develop elders. And so, God, we're excited for that ministry there. And so I'm sure there's some uh, heartbreak even in letting go and allowing that just to continue without his presence, without their presence. But we know, God, that you're bigger than all of this. We know that what you have begun and that work there with the Iski people, you will continue. You're faithful to do that. And the same is true for this family. You've begun a work in them and um, saving them, certainly, but also in their service to you. And, uh, and you're going to use them uh, in the States. You have something in mind for them in this chapter in their lives. And I pray that they can embrace that, get excited about it. And in this transition, in this time of uh, separation and loss, and all that goes with that, I pray that you would give them strength that they need. I pray that you would be very present in their lives. They would sense that, know that, and they'd be confident, Lord, that where they are right now in upstate New York is exactly where you want them to be. May they serve you well there. And whatever you have in mind for them and serving, not only in this interim, but longer term, God, we pray that uh, you, would, you would orchestrate all of those details as they deepen their trust in you and what you're going to do there. And so, God, I commit this family to you and thanksgiving for them, but also in, in, in just lifting them up, Lord, that they have others around them, the, 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 the Aaron and the, and the her that can lift up their arms and encourage them speak into their lives, and keep them motivated and sustained. And we know by your grace you'll do that, all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Hey, brother.